go. Are we on bed? Yeah? Okay, guys, let's make a start. Um, excuse the um, bunged up nose, and if you've seen it's not running down, just excuse that. Um, anyway, guys, that's, um, that's the one if you just bow your head, and we're going to start and just, um, just pray. Father, we again just lift our gaze to you this morning. And Lord, we just, uh, as we reflect on 2013, we thank you once again so much for your faithfulness uh, to us uh, individually, but also to us as a, as a community of people, as your chosen people. We're so, so grateful, God, that you've been with us, uh, that you never leave us. Father, this morning I pray, uh, Lord, that as I uh, speak, oh God, that that you will be glorified, that your people will be edified, uh, Lord, that, um, that, you wouldn't, uh, that you would send your Holy Spirit right now as, as we, I guess, listen to the last message of this year. Uh, Lord, I pray, help us just engage with you this morning. It's all about you, Jesus. So, Father, we thank you once again. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your church. And ultimately, God, we thank you for your son. And we pray you be with us right now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, just want to start by asking a question. Put your hand up if you like gifts. What? So not every hand is not up. I'll ask again. Put your hand up if you like gifts or presents. Okay, I saw your hand go up. Everybody's hands up. Why? Because we all like gifts. In fact, I would challenge anyone to go out on the street and find someone who doesn't like receiving a gift or a present of some, of some form, because we all like gifts. And I would say one of the main reasons of why we like gifts, just one of the reasons, I'm sure there's many, but one of them is that they're free. They don't cost us a penny. Yeah, we all love a bargain. We all love receiving things which are free. And presents do not cost you one penny. So that's why we love receiving gifts. However, it will always cost someone something, whether it be money, whether it be time, whether it be effort, mostly it's money, but it will always cost the giver something. But for us who are receiving it, it is free. Just this week, um, I asked um, one of the kids that I, I teach um, at the college I work at, just asked him, just, you know, what do you get for Christmas? And he responded, he said, and quite sort of blasé, quite disinterested, he went, I'm getting an Xbox, I'm getting a PS4, which are all computer consoles for those over the age of 30. Can we hear me? Yep. So he said he's getting an Xbox, a PS4, um, an iPhone 5, and three to four, 500 pounds. And I was thinking, you're getting all that for Christmas. And I mean, that's the best part of around about 1,000 pounds. And he's getting it just for one Christmas. And on top of that, he's one of six. And then I just asked him, so what do your parents do for a living? And they're not necessarily earning loads and loads of money. They've just got sort of regular jobs. But I was thinking, wow, that is going to cost your parents a small fortune. But for him, it didn't cost him a penny. or well, it won't cost him a penny. It's free. And receiving gifts can, I think, affect our emotions in, in different ways. You know, gifts often carry with them a level of excitement and happiness. Um, you know, you don't know what you're going to get, whether it be a Christmas present, whether it be a birthday present. They do. They carry with this excitement, this... I'm not sure, I wonder what it's going to be. I wonder what it's going to be. And that uh, brings with it excitement and happiness. 
Often, they can also uh, carry with them a sense of value and feeling loved. Thinking, wow, you, you, you thought to buy me a gift. That's wonderful. That's really nice. I can't believe you've done that for me. And also, if you've ever uh, read anything by Gary Chapman, The Five Love Languages, that is one of the ways that people feel loved, is by giving people giving gifts to them. But on the opposite side of that, on the flip side, put your hand up if you've ever received a gift where you was expecting it to be something wonderful, something glorious. You open it, and it's a pair of socks. <laughs> but yeah, that's happened to you. Maybe not a pair of socks, but that's happened to you. That's happened to all of us. So yes, they can bring excitement and happiness. They can make us feel valued and loved. But they can also carry with them just a sense of, oh, a little bit disappointed, a little bit let down. Even though we don't deserve it, we sometimes feel that way. And at times, I think we can um, get so into the gifts or presents or possessions, if you like. Um, you know, you hear of people spending hundreds and thousands of pounds at Christmas times or at birthday presents on, on presents. And that is just crazy. I remember when I used to, um, my background is sort of personal training. I had a client and I used to, I used to train um, this, uh, this lady and her parents used to spend, listen to this, Every Christmas, £10,000 on presents for their family and their extended family. Now, they, had a, they did have a lot of money, so it wasn't like they saved for that. But still, £10,000 on presents a year. And if we're not careful, we can almost con ourselves into believing that these gifts are better than they actually are. Yeah, that they're better than they actually are. Someone behind me. You see, in the, there's a moment where they can, they can bring a sense of happiness, a sense of joy, a sense of um, hope, and we can be quite consumed by the gifts, by the presence. But ultimately, it will never deliver, it will never bring us true happiness or true joy or true hope. I remember when I, um, when I first received my first mobile phone. Anyone remember that, when you first received your mobile phone? So maybe 10, 15 years ago. I remember I must have been about 15 or 16. I remember I was so excited. I remember, you know, I was staying up late. I was playing with it. Um, I was telling everybody about it. I was, it was constantly on my mind. I was really, really preoccupied. I didn't do any schoolwork at all. I remember having it in my blazer pocket and constantly just playing with this new gift, which my parents had given me. And I didn't really care much about anyone else. I was just so preoccupied with this gift. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, all gifts are bad. Of course, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that at all. You know, we can enjoy gifts without them becoming everything to us. Um, but we must just be careful, as they can easily just distract us and take us off track. You know, gifts are wonderful. Like we said earlier, we all love receiving with them. But what they do do, they carry with them a sense of momentary satisfaction, momentary pleasure, or momentary happiness, if you like, or joy, or even hope which doesn't last. Whether that moment be for a few minutes, hours, weeks, months, years, or whether that moment be for a lifetime, that gift will ultimately come to an end. I don't want to be the sort of the gloom of Christmas here, the doom of Christmas. <laughs> Sorry, this morning is not a very Christmassy message. <laughs> but momentary, these presents, the, the moment will pass. Yeah, they're momentary satisfaction. And we would be foolish if we was to put our hope or our happiness into these things. So with that in mind, let's take a brief look 
um, at the Bible. We're going to look at um, a very famous verse in Scripture, a verse I'm sure that many of you will be able to uh, recite. Um, in fact, it probably is the most famous verse in Scripture. So this, if you have a Bible or go to that part in your brain, it's John 3, 16. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believed in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Oh, that we may never become familiar with this verse. That we may never become familiar with its significance and and what it means to us. I'm sure many of us have heard many sermons, have read many books, have read it many times in your devotional readings, but don't let the truth of this verse just wash over you. Don't let it just pass you by, which can so easily happen with familiar verses in Scripture. There's many verses which um, that I'm sure many of us will be able to recite, which we read it, and we, it just doesn't go in it. We just think, oh, yeah, no, I know that verse. And on one sense, yes, of course, we probably do know that verse, and we are familiar with it, but please uh, don't let it just pass you by. It would be a verse um, that we would do well to meditate on regularly. You see, God, who is rich in mercy, who abounds in steadfast love, a God who's a gracious father, a father who didn't have to give us his son, he didn't have to do that, but willingly chose to give us his son, Jesus, in order that we may have eternal life. And I'll put it to you guys this morning that above every single gift that you will receive this Christmas or every single gift that you will ever receive, that Jesus is the ultimate gift to us. That Jesus is the ultimate gift to us. He's the supreme gift. He's the gift that can't be matched. He's the the gift of gifts, if you like. The difference between him and every other gift that the world would offer is that Jesus is not momentary. He's eternal. Jesus is the gift that we can enjoy today, tomorrow, and for 10,000 years, and so on and so forth. He's the gift that should be prized and treasured above all gifts and possessions. He's the gift who can deeply satisfy our soul, who can deeply fulfill us, where, where worldly gifts try to do that, and we would often put our hope in those gifts to do that. Ultimately, he's the one who will satisfy and fulfill our soul. John Piper in his book, Five Points, says this, to know him and be loved by him and become like him is the end of our soul's quest. To know him and be loved by him and become like him is the end of our soul's quest. You see, to know him and be loved by him and ultimately become like him and be transformed into his image is all possible because some 2,000 years ago, God sent Jesus into the world in the form of a baby, what we've been singing about this morning. He gave us this wonderful gift so that that baby would grow up to live a perfect life, die a brutal death, raise, be raised from the death for the sole purpose to save his people from their sins, to reconcile his people back to the Father and to give us the gift of eternal life for all those who would believe. And believing that this gift really is true, that is what brings a sense of hope. That is what brings, um, if you like, your real sense of peace, what John was saying earlier, which brings joy, which brings acceptance, which brings assurance of eternal life with him. Where the excitement and happiness of worldly gifts 
uh, will ultimately wear off. This is the gift which will never wear off. However, there's, there's a bit of time between now and the start of our eternal life. John 3.16 tells us that the result of God giving us his son and then us believing in him, the result of that is eternal life. Now, we don't know when our last breath will be, but it's very, very likely that we have many years left. It's very likely. And it's, there's many years, if you like, until we fully receive this, this gift, this eternal life. Ephesians 1, 13 to 14 says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So it's the Holy Spirit who, who protects us, who preserves us until, until we reach our inheritance, which is eternal life with Christ. So my question to us this morning is, is quite a simple one. It's, I wouldn't say it's a profound question, but it would be one that we would do well just to think about even this Christmas. What do we do with the gift which God gives us? What do we do with the gift which God gives us? Because when we, when we give gifts to people, when we give gifts this Christmas or birthdays, we don't give gifts in order that they would store them away and that they wouldn't use them. We give people gifts because we believe that they're going to use them, that they would enjoy the gifts. Because if they didn't, it would be pointless giving those gifts. And again, I'll suggest that God didn't give us his son so that we would put him away or put him to one side or to forget about him. God gave us his son so that our lives would be radically, dramatically, completely transformed. So we've got this gift, this relationship with Jesus. So what do we do with it? And I just want to finish by uh, looking briefly at what I've termed as life in 3D. Life in 3D. Delight display and disciples. Delight, display and disciples. See, when we receive a gift, so the first one we'll look at is delight. When we receive a gift and it's something that you want, like I said, it, it does, it brings that excitement, it brings that happiness, you're just so pleased that you've got this gift um, that you wanted. And what you start to do, whatever it is, you start to use it or you play with it or, and you start to enjoy it. And ultimately, you start to delight in this gift. Well, Psalm 37 verse 4 says this, delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. Just like we would delight in a gift from someone, it's telling us here, slightly differently, but it's telling us here that we should enjoy him, that we should take pleasure in him, that we should be satisfied in him, that we should be content with him, that we should seek our joy in him, in knowing the Lord. And we're to pursue this, we're to actively pursue this delight in the Lord. To knowing Knowing him brings infinitely more value, it's more valuable than anything else in the world. That knowing the God of the universe, knowing him brings so much more joy than it does playing with the gift that you're going to get this Christmas, or good as they are. Psalm 4 says this, and I, I love this verse. It says, You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. You put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain 
and wine abound. See, in the ancient world, if you had grain and wine, they were symbols of great wealth, uh, symbols of uh, prosperity, symbols of just a real lack of nothing. And what David's saying is, he's saying that even when the wealthy have all that they want, knowing you is better. Knowing you is better. You fill me with more joy than all the stuff that my delight is in you. And we would do well to listen to the words of David here. As how often do we go after things and delight ourselves in things only later to be let down by them? Whether it be quite quickly, whether it be weeks or months, then ultimately they will let us down. The things of the world will never deliver what only Jesus can. They will try, but they will ultimately fall short. And secondly, when we truly delight ourselves in him, when we truly gaze upon his face, when we truly enjoy him, I'm, I'm convinced that that is the, the only way, the true way in which we will overcome our sinful temptations. When we truly delight in him, when we see his value, his worth, his glory, that just doesn't compare. Whatever we're tempted to when it comes to sin, delighting in him is the only way that we will overcome our sinful behaviour. Yes, it's been one at the cross, hear me on that. But there's still a battle that we face. And delighting in the Lord is the only way, I would say, is truly overcoming your sin. Because all of a sudden, the things that you once used to delight in, whether it be sex, whether it be money, whether it be uh, wealth and great possessions, whatever they may be, when compared to Christ and knowing him and delighting in him, they don't seem as attractive anymore. They really don't. There's this wonderful hymn, which I think we've probably sung here before, uh, by a lady called Helen H. Lemel. She sums it up beautifully. She says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Now, it's important to have things in place which, if you like, safeguard us from falling into sin. Of course it is. There's wisdom in that. But the key to walking in freedom is an aggressive desire to find your delight daily in Christ. It's pursuing him aggressively, vigorously in, in pursuing his face and finding your ultimate delight in him. To pursue the lover of your soul and let him stir your affections for him. This great quote by George Muller, uh, George Muller which I know you'll love, Phil. The first great and primary business to which I ought to attend every day was to have my soul happy in the Lord. Amen. And we, we must find time to do this, guys. We must find time to delight ourselves in the Lord. It doesn't have to be hours and hours and hours, although that would be great if you've got those hours. It can, be, it can be moments. It only takes a moment to see him. So what does delighting in the Lord Look like here, you say. What does it look like? Because it, 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 it can sound a little bit obscure at times. I delight myself in the Lord. What, what do you mean? How do we do that? Well, I'll just give you a personal example how I try to delight myself um, in the Lord. For me, it's starting by giving thanks. It's giving thanks. Regardless of your situation or circumstance, it's, it's trying to come to him and start with him, not your circumstance first. It's to thank him for who he is, for what he's done. It's to come to him in prayer, um, whether you've got so much on your mind or whether you've got nothing on your mind. Regardless of your circumstances, it's, it's trying to focus on Jesus, his beauty, his majesty, his faithfulness to you, how he reveals himself in his word, 
And I know personally what happens with me when I start to do that, eventually there's, there's, like, there's like a shift that starts to play, take place in my, in my spirit, I guess, where this feeling of immense joy will just overcome me. And I can't put it into words. But it's as you start to see how good he really is. And you start to, your soul just starts to delight in him. So that's one of the ways that I would try to delight myself in the Lord. There's, I wouldn't say there's a set way of doing it. That's just how it works for me. So the second D in the 3D life is display. I believe we should, with the gift God has given with us, the, the gift of knowing Christ, that we should display that gift to others. We should display that gift to others. As, as many of you know that I'm married to Shah, who's South African, and I remember in the early days, um, you know, when we were sort of just dating in maybe the first year or so, um, I would start to use some, some South African words and some South African phrases. So, for example, um, they're a bit weird, really, but, for example, when Shah um, uh, says tangerine, she would use the word nachi. I don't know why, but she would use the word nachi. That's what it is in South Africa. Um, and I would find myself starting to say nachi. In fact, I still say it now for some reason. I would say nachi instead of if I wanted a satsuma. Um, also, she would say, you know, I'd say, yeah, I'll be there in a minute. And she would say... I'll be there just now. And I'll be like, and I didn't get it, but it's quite quickly. I would start to say that phrase. The point being this, the more time you spend with people, the more that they start to influence you, the more of their, I guess, their character and personality just starts to rub off on you. And you don't even realise, you start to pick these things up, the good things and the bad South African-isms. <laughs> and it's the same with God. The more time you spend with him, the more that you delight in him, it would only be natural that after a while you start to display some of his characteristics. It would only be natural. See, we're called as children of God, as ambassadors on this earth, to display the characteristics to a world around us. And one of the ways, just one of the ways we can effectively display him is by loving others. It's one of the ways that we can do it. Again, in John uh, 13 from 34 through 35 it says a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you you also are to love one another by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another and again I would suggest that the distinguishing mark of a disciple of Jesus uh, would be love would be love See, the command we just read to love one another wasn't, wasn't a new command. The newness was found in loving one another as Jesus had loved his disciples, which is a crazy love, which is a love that, that drove him to the cross. And we're to display that type of love to others. It's challenging, eh? We're to love like Christ, which is a, a selfless love, which puts others first, which we're to give without expecting back where we're to sacrifice. And in one sense, if we're to love like Christ, we're to lay down our life for one another. See, as we seek to do this, because I don't know if anyone's got it nailed right yet, but as we seek to do this, to love like Christ, people will start to notice something different about us. It says they'll know us by our love for one another. And just this, this past few weeks at work, I've just felt, yes, sort of, quite challenged and I've started to think about it. If someone came into my work and just started to observe me, how I interacted with people, how I 
done my job, how I spoke, how I responded when maybe someone said something I didn't like. Would there be a difference between those who I work, my colleagues who maybe aren't Christians, and myself? Would there be a difference? Would there be an obvious love there on display? And I think sometimes, yeah, there probably would. But sometimes, probably not. And I felt challenged by that. Because we're supposed to display his love. Constantly, at all times. (laughs) Whether at work, home, or socialising, whatever you are doing, we're to display him to those around us. And we do that by loving them. So let us be sure to spend time with him, to, to delight in him, to receive his love Um, for us so that we may then go out and display that love to others. And the third and final point in this 3D life is making disciples, or disciples, go and make them so it fits into the 3Ds. Which, for me, which is is probably probably the most challenging. I don't know if it's for you, but for, for me, this is probably the most challenging of the 3Ds, if you like. See, this... I was put to you, displaying him isn't the same as making disciples. I remember seeing a, a great tweet from John Bryars um, a little while ago saying that angli- angli- angling your Christian book on a train is not evangelism, <laughs> which I thought was great. I was going to take it for myself, but you was here, so I had to put you in. No, <laughs> so displaying him isn't the same as making disciples. Now, we can often start by displaying him and reflecting him to others before we share the gospel. But that's it. We must share the gospel. We must share the gospel. We must tell them lovingly but boldly, with the help of the Spirit, the good news of Jesus. There's a famous quote who no one really seemed to know it's by, but I'm sure many of you will know it. It says, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. Now that sounds quite nice, quite catchy, but listen to what the Apostle Paul would say to this if he was alive. In Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. So Paul's saying that one can only come to faith through hearing the gospel. That only one can come to faith by hearing the gospel. And that specific message that must be heard is the word of Christ. That's the good news about Christ as a crucified and risen saviour. Now I'm not saying to, to everyone to go and approach their friends and family and say... You're a sinner, you must repent, believe in Jesus and you have eternal life. I'm not saying that you would go and do it that way. In fact, I would advise you against doing it that way. You know, it's important to build relationships, to display and reflect Christ to others, to sow seeds. And often that can take time before people would make a commitment. But if that's all we do, if we never get to the point of sharing the word of Christ, sharing the gospel with others, then... I would suggest that we're not doing what Jesus commands us to do, which is to make disciples of all nations. Now, we, we know, we all know, that the message of the cross is offensive. And as Brits, as many most of us are Brits in here, we don't like offending people, do we? We don't like doing that. But the gospel is not very, it's not very palatable. It doesn't sit well with people. And more and more, um, our culture has moved away from Christianity, moved away from the God of the Bible. So if, if and when we do share the gospel, it is bound to offend some people. But may I just encourage you to, and I'm speaking to myself here, but may I encourage you to become fools for Christ and be about his work. 
in any opportunity that he would give you. And I'm definitely speaking to myself first. In fact, may we pray for opportunities to share the gospel. And we ask that he would fill us with his spirit, fill us with boldness and courage, just like they did at Acts 4 when the spirit came and they asked, God, fill us with boldness and courage that we may speak your word faithfully and boldly and courageously, that we may be obedient and make disciples. So in, in, just in conclusion, as we've said, Jesus is the ultimate gift to us. He's the gift which is eternal, who fills us with joy everlasting, who satisfies us like no other worldly gift can and will ever do. And I mentioned at the beginning that one of the things that we love about gifts is that they're free, they don't cost us anything. And God gave us his son freely. But just as he gave him to us, I would say there's a response needed on our part. And that is to give ourselves to him. That's to give ourselves to him. So just this Christmas, guys, the Christmas part of the message. Um, I would just encourage you not to have a spiritual holiday this Christmas. Not to have a spiritual holiday this Christmas. Don't wait until the beginning of the new year. But over this festive period, um, find time to delight in him, to spend time on your knees, just enjoying him, singing songs to him, reading his word, finding your delight and your joy in him. Displaying him through others, extending love, extending grace and mercy and kindness to those who are believers and those who are not believers as well. Let's do that this Christmas, whether it be friends, family. Pray for opportunities. And finally, any opportunity you get, ask him to give you the boldness to make disciples for the glory of his name. Let's pray. Father, we, we love you this morning. Uh, we thank you so much for the gift of your son. Uh, yet we realise as, as he came, there's, there's implications to that on us. And Father, I, I pray this Christmas period that we, would, that we would spend time finding our delight in him. Oh God, that these wouldn't just be words that just trickle over people this morning, but they would if you like, get massaged deep into people's very beings and souls this morning. Oh God, and these aren't my words, oh God, these are your words. God, you tell us to delight ourselves in you. And I pray that we would uh, display you. Difficult at times, yes, oh God, when situations and circumstances are maybe challenging, but God, that we may, we may display you this Christmas, that we may extend, extend love to one another, oh God, because we've received the greatest love of all. And Lord, any opportunities that may arise, let us step in with boldness and courage, knowing that this time is short, oh God, and you've given us a message to go and preach and to proclaim to the last, oh God, that we would make disciples of Jesus Christ, all for the glory of your name. Lord, bless us this uh, Christmas. Lord, be with us. Uh, may your face shine upon us, Lord, as we leave from here. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.